decided to join back with us this week. Always a great opportunity to stand for this sacred desk and give the word of God. I'm extremely encouraged by all the Lord has been, been showing us and working through with us in the book of Acts. Now, as we look in our Bibles this week, we are actually picking right back up in the middle of Peter's sermon that he was giving in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And you remember last week we talked about the importance of the power and the priority of preaching. And in that, it was really a challenge to all our men of God who preached the word to return to faithfully preaching the text of God. Now, in doing that, in asking and declaring and challenging that we should return to faithfully preaching the text of God, that must also mean that we must likewise return to faithfully preaching Jesus. Every sermon that we hear must be responsible for causing us to redirect from ourselves and back to Jesus Christ. Far too often there are too many sermons that are really man-centered, but Jesus Christ must be the center and the focus of everything that we say when we preach. Now, in today's text, we're going to see that while Peter stands among 5,000 people, he faithfully preaches before them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is evident through all of his words. And now my hope for our time today is that we will be reminded of what we have known all along, and that is this. Jesus is enough. He doesn't need additives. He doesn't need anything extra to be added. Jesus is adequate for our lives, and only the the message of Jesus Christ will stand in our lives. There was an older man who entered into a car dealership intending to buy a car. And as he entered into that dealership, the car salesman saw him and went up to him and asked him, Sir, are you intending on buying a car today? He said, Well, yes, son, I am planning on buying a car. He said, Okay, well, tell me what it is you want. The man said, Hmm, what do I want? He says, Well, I want this really big, massive black SUV with really nice, light-colored interior seats. And if you can give me a good, big moonroof in the back, a big sunroof in the front, I would like to have heated seats, but I also like them to be cooled. I want heated steering wheel, but I also want it to be cooled. I really want to see a lot of storage, and I want DVDs for every one of the passengers. But even with the storage, I want a lot of leg space, and I want a lot of seating. I want to have a really nice navigation system, a really nice stereo system. He said, yeah, I think that's all I want in a car. After saying that, the salesman said, sir, I got to be honest, I don't think we have a car that has all of that, and I don't know that there's a car that exists that has all of that. He then says, are you sure you need all of that in the car? The old man with a smile on his face, he said, well, son, you didn't ask me what I needed. You asked me what I wanted. All I need is a car to get me from point A to B. The man then looked the salesman in his eyes and said, son, just give me what I need. 
I think every day we come to church, we fellowship together, and there are many people who come with different wants, different desires, different affinities, and it's not our job as the pastors to cater to everything that they desire or want but it is our job every week to faithfully give every person that hears us preach exactly what they need. And there is nothing that anyone needs that goes beyond Jesus Christ. And just like this man said, we must do for everybody else in the midst of all of their desires, all of their wants. We must give them their most essential need. And that is Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to see at the end of the day, that we give the people Jesus. Listen, we are all told that we will be judged according to our lives. But in the Bible, it warns us that preachers will suffer a stricter judgment. So the question for everybody else is, did you have Jesus? Did you know Jesus? But there's another question that happens for us who preach the gospel did you know him and did you give him to the people? We must faithfully preach the gospel of Jesus Christ week in and week out because as the Bible says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Jump with me, if you will, to the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word, Lord, in the midst of all the things that we hear that we need, all the political ideologies, all the talks about what this world needs, Lord. Let this be a reminder for us that we need nothing greater than we need Jesus Christ, for he is the Savior of our souls, God. Nothing will fulfill us, nothing will satisfy us like the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. So let this be a reminder of what we must do, which is what we have been called to do all along, which is preach the gospel of Jesus. Now, you'll note in this sermon that this sermon is titled, Just Give Me Jesus. I think that is a proverbial outcry for many people, whether they realize it or not, whenever they sit and watch or listen to a sermon, they shouldn't have to cut the red tape and fish through the most essential thing in the sermon, which is the gospel. We are still in the middle here of Peter's sermon and following his explanation of those previous events, he is now presenting the full revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what should be noted here is the fact that Peter makes mention of who his audience is in the text. Who is his audience? He declares them men of Israel. Now, this isn't some 
normal salutation that he was just giving at the beginning of his sermon, but Peter is about to deliver several body blows to the Jewish men who were in in attendance and hearing his sermon. Now, to a Jewish man who not only would have rejected Jesus, but also supported his false trial, his crucifixion, and death, these first nine words probably would have sent a cold chill down their spines when they heard it. What were those words? Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. In this sermon, the people listening did not want to hear a sermon about Jesus. Absolutely not. Not only had they committed atrocious crimes against him, but many of them who still remain rejected the testimony of about 500 people who declared that they had emphatically seen Jesus Christ after his resurrection. These were men who were staunch opponents of Jesus, and to hear the first nine words of this sermon would have made them almost shrink in the presence of Peter. Now, Peter faces the potentiality here of not just being disliked for preaching this sermon, but he faces the reality that once he gets done, he may actually be met with violence for preaching the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. But Peter also knows that the man that they were rejecting was the very man they needed in order to be saved. Peter couldn't care less about what they wanted because he knows how fickle fallen man is. And we were all at one point in our lives fickle fallen man. And we know that when we were falling apart from God, what we thought we needed was not what we actually needed. And so Paul Peter is able to realize here that these people think they know what they need, but they don't. It is the very man that they put on a fake trial, the very man that they crucified, delivered unto death. That is the man that they need to hear and know about. He knew that it was Jesus Christ that could give them eternal life. Like the woman at the well who comes to Jesus looking merely for a drink of water, she failed to realize that what she needed was living water from Jesus Christ. And eternal life. Imagine what would happen in our churches, in our world, if we would stop catering ourselves and our sermons to the carnal desires of man and would actually give them what they need. I remember in the book of Ezekiel, he comes to God and God says, can these dry bones live? live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. And what does God tell him to do? He says, in order for these bones to live, prophesy to them the word of God. And there is something miraculous that happens that not only when he started to preach to the dead dry bones, the word of God, not only did flesh creep back on those bones, but the Bible says that they turned into living men who began to breathe again. 
Listen, there is something miraculous that happens in the life of every believer because we were all in a slumber. We were all asleep, dead in our sins. But when we heard the word of God, we were quickened from death to life and resurrected from our sinking, stinking state of sin into life everlasting. Imagine what would happen if we would actually just preach about Jesus. People who are dead in their sins will live again. But unfortunately, there has been too much mingling and mongering with the world and the message of Jesus Christ has become blurred and it has become watered down in this sense of philosophical beliefs that do not lead us to any truth at all. There is but one truth, and that is in Jesus Christ. If the word of God can give dry bones life, if the word of God can awaken sleeping souls, imagine what would happen in the lives of faithful believers if we would only preach Jesus. People will be resurrected from their dead state into the newness of life. Now, the sad thing here is that most of us who stand up every week and preach are not even facing the adversity that Peter would have faced. Yet he faithfully preached to those people knowing full well that his life may have been in jeopardy. These were men who hated Jesus Christ, yet Peter has the boldness to stand before them and declare Jesus. If Peter can preach to people who hate Jesus, why can't we preach Jesus to people? who love him why do we feel like we have to give people everything else but Jesus listen Peter knows something that most of us have failed to realize and that is that the approval of God will always overrule the approval of man because man does not know what they need apart from God therefore he makes it clear who his message is about His message is about Jesus. To preach about Jesus, unfortunately, sometimes seems to make you an outlier in today's society. I'll never forget, I preached a sermon one time and a prominent pastor in the city walked up to me and said, oh, you preach Jesus. I preach Jesus too. And he said it to me as if it were some badge of an honor, and I'm like, to be a preacher, that's the prerequisite is that you're preaching Jesus. Listen, anything else that we preach is not the gospel at all, it's not preaching at all, it is glorified motivational speaking. But people don't need motivational speaking, they need the word of God. Peter then goes on this barrage against these men who would have been present, not just as his sermon, but at his sermon, but also in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus, then the man that was made known to you by God was made known to you by mighty works and wonders and signs that God did in your midst. And you already know this. In other words, Peter completely put the onus on these Jewish men who had already rejected Jesus in their lives. He said that God showed you who Jesus was and you saw clearly the signs that he was God in the flesh and you still chose to reject him, to mock him, to beat him and to crucify him. 
Now, I just want you to see for a second how deeply rooted the hatred went of Jesus by these men. Look with me, if you will, into the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 9. It says, he went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored. Healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Do you see this? You see what's happening in the text here. Jesus healed a man right before the eyes of the Jewish leaders who hated him. And instead of being astounded or seeking how he was able to heal this man, they went for an opportunity to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. They didn't care about the fact that he was able to heal because he was God in the flesh. They cared more about their religious traditions than they did about Jesus. And so they rejected him. This is why anybody who ever comes to you and says, I would believe in Jesus if I could only see him is lying because there were people who walked around every single day. These men who saw the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he performed and they still rejected him. See, knowing and understanding Jesus is not about what you see with your eyes. It's about what God reveals to you in your heart. You have to believe this in your heart. With the heart, man believes. It's not with the eyes. It's not with anything tangible. And the only way you can come into belief is that you hear the gospel and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that when we reject the truth of Jesus Christ, that God sends us a strong delusion because we rejected that truth. We chose not to believe what was known about Jesus Christ, and he sends us a delusion. So we would rather believe a lie than the truth. When we don't believe, it is because we chose not to accept the truth. So Peter rails on them saying, you knew who he was. You knew who he was because you saw what he did and you still rejected him. Just so you know, this isn't just their testimony. This is the testimony of every one of us who either accepts or rejects Jesus Christ. Every single one of us saw and knew that it was God in the flesh. And we chose to reject him until God sovereignly reveals it to us. And we are converted into believers. Peter then goes on to say that this Jesus, in case there was any confusion, this Jesus was delivered up, but it was according to the plan of God. His definite plan according to foreknowledge. Wait, so what is Peter doing here? Well, Peter's doing two things, and I want you to see these two things very clearly in this sermon today. One, 
He is showing them that in all their desire to be pious, to be holy, and to be righteous before God by rejecting his son, they have definitely rejected God. He is saying to all of you who thought you could bypass Jesus, you are mistaken because there is no other way to righteousness except by the way of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to holiness, to piety or heaven except that you go through this Jesus. Listen, doing good deeds will not get you in. Listening to Christian music will not get you in. It is not until your life has been transformed by Jesus, he becomes the master and the Lord of your life. Then and only then can you get to the Father. Remember, we are told in Jude that not only can Jesus prevent us from stumbling, but only Jesus is able to prevent us who are full of flaws as if we are flawless before God our Father. In our lives, Satan not only sends us every single day a flood of temptation to sin, but then he awaits eagerly for us all to fall in that sin just so he can condemn us for the sin that he sent us to fall into. Because in the moments that he slipped, that we slip, he uses that as the justification for our condemnation. This is why the Bible tells us that he is the accuser of the brethren. But when Jesus comes and says, no, I already died for that sin. Yes, your sins are many, but his mercy is even more. Why? Has there been such a gross departure from the word of Jesus Christ in our world? I think it's simple. There was a quote by a prominent preacher, pastor, teacher recently, and he said these words, you are already enough. Now, the problem with that is that that is the exact kind of teaching that convinces us that we can live our lives away from and apart from Jesus Christ. And just in case you don't understand, I have some news to break to you. You are not enough. You are not adequate. You are not worth anything apart from Jesus Christ. It is not until the the death that was meant for us pays for our sins that we even have any value at all. Because apart from Jesus Christ, we are worthless. We are nothing. It is not until we are in him that our lives mean anything at all. No, you are not enough because Jesus is. No, you are not adequate because Jesus is adequate. No, you are not worth anything other than what Jesus was willing to pay for you, and that is with his life. The only word that we have is this, is that Jesus Christ declared us righteous, even though we are not. How could we possibly think that we could get any worth or value in anything beyond the gospel of Jesus Christ? So that's the first thing that Peter's showing them. That's the first thing. No matter how hard you try, you've got to go down the road of Jesus Christ. But the other thing that Peter is doing, and we should all take note, 
Even though these men had sternly rejected Jesus, even though these men had mocked Jesus Christ, even though they beat him, even though they put him up to be crucified, Peter knows that none of that is enough to disqualify them from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the beautiful part about the gospel. They hated Jesus but they needed him. And Peter knew that everything that was wrong with them was because they hated him and he gave them the gospel. There is no sin that's so great, so gross in our lives that it ever disqualifies us from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything that is wrong with us, everything that ails us is because we are sick with sin and there is one cure to our sins. And that's Jesus Christ. If Peter was bold enough to give people Jesus who hated Jesus, what more should we give to people who love him and have been saved by him? They hated Jesus, but they needed Jesus. They hated the truth, but they needed the truth. What more should we do for the people who love him and have been saved by him? We must give people Jesus. If Peter was bold enough to give people Jesus who hated him, what more should we do for the people who love him? Like the hymn says, you can have this whole world, but just give me Jesus. That's all we need, people. All we need is Jesus to know his way, to know his works, and to know his love. You can have everything else in this world, but just give me Jesus. Finally, look at what Peter says here. He said that these men were men, kinsmen, men of Israel, lawless men who killed Jesus, but God raised him up. Not only did God raise him up, but he even loosed the pains of death because it was impossible for him to be held by it. For him to be held by death is like trying to trap air in a box. It's trying to hold water in the palm of your hands. It is impossible for Jesus to be held down by any power is a logical fallacy. And for this reason... He was raised on Sunday and the game plan of Satan was exploited, debunked, and destroyed. People need to know about this Jesus. When we get up and say or preach anything else other than Jesus crucified, we are failing to serve them the way that we have been called to serve. And that is to give the unapologetic gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, Peter makes an extremely gallant effort here to communicate to them just how much they needed Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. When do we ever get to the point that we have enough? Never. You can be saved for a hundred years and you have not gotten enough of Jesus. 
As long as we live, there will always be something to be repentant of. There will always be something to be forgiven of. And there will always be a reason to need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can never stop talking about him. We can never stop preaching about him. For we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So if anybody is preaching any other gospel, this is what the word of God says. Let it be damned to hell. There is no other gospel that saves or sets free other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And before I close, let me make it clear to you what that gospel is. That gospel is that we were all born here with a sin debt inherited, passed down to us from Adam. We were born with that sin debt. Without that debt being taken care of, we have to die in order to pay that. Jesus Christ came as the Son of God, God in the flesh, as the propitiation, the sacrifice, the sacrifice, the atonement for our sins, so that we wouldn't have to die for those sins. He paid the debt. He satisfied the debt that God had on our lives to set us free from sin, to live eternally with him. If your sins have not been paid for by Jesus Christ, they will have to be paid one day. And the only way that the wrath of God will be satisfied for your sins is that we would have to suffer in hell for an eternity because the wrath he intended on us, he poured out on Jesus in a day. That's why the Bible tells us that it pleased God to crucify him, to bruise him, because through his death, we have been made alive. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as the title of the sermon says today, in the midst of Everything else that's happening in the midst of everybody's opinions and everything else that everybody has to say, I just have this to say. Just give me Jesus. That's all I need. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the word. Lord, there are so many things that people have to offer, people have to say, so many truths and so much wisdom. But if it comes at the expense of the gospel truth, it is folly, God. Let us know that nothing else will save, nothing else will sanctify, nothing else will cleanse us of our sins other than the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. And that only those of us who are believers because of the work that was done on the cross are believers because you made us so, God, and that we have had the penalty of our sins paid for. Lord, if there's anybody listening or watching that still owes the debt of their sins, Lord, we pray that they hear and respond to the gospel today, that you change and transform and regenerate their hearts, open their eyes, open their ears, God, get a hold of their lives, get a hold of their hearts, and transform them as only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.